0: Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslander. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on March 13, 2022. We are studying the Gospel of Luke and we get today to a typical day in the life of Jesus. It wasn't an unusual day for him, it was a very typical day, and I want us to look at it in the full kind of 24-hour period, and that will help us to know how Jesus lived his life. What did he do? How did he spend his time? What habits did he have? What was important to him? A lot of people know isolated stories from the life and ministry of Jesus. I want us to understand kind of the the big picture today, and Luke gives us that, a full 24-hour period in the life of Jesus. This is what he did and what he focused on. It will help us to know Jesus. It will help us to know how we should spend our time, and it will help us maybe rethink some of the priorities in our own life. So think about your own 24-hour period. What's your life like? If you had to, to kind of write a little chapter, this this is a typical day in the life of Jack or you. You get up at what, 6 a.m., 7, 8? Some of you haven't nodded yet, 10, 11? I mean, you get up early in the morning, you have breakfast, you shower, you, you take care of yourself, you brush your teeth, you do all those kinds of things. You go to work or school, you get a break in the middle of the day and you eat a, a burger or a salad or a sandwich or something like that. You, you work some more, you stop by the store maybe on the way home, pick up the kids, do whatever you do. You cook and you eat, maybe you read a book, watch some TV, watch the Wildcats win another basketball game. Uh, you, 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 what's a typical day like for you. I want you to think about that because I I want you to see today what a typical day was like for Jesus. And we're going to look at a 24-hour period. It's in Luke chapter 4, verse 31 through 44. It starts on a Sabbath morning and rolls over to early the next morning. And by looking at that 24-hour period, we can see how Jesus lived his life. Let's stand together as we read this. A typical day... In the life of Jesus. An interesting day, a powerful day. And this is how Jesus spent his time. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 31. Then he, that's Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. And on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now you may be seated. I want you to get a good idea of what a typical day was like from Jesus. Everything, by the way, that he did on this day was a constant for him. This is how he spent his time for his three years of ministry right up until the time that he was arrested and crucified. So if you understand this day, you get a good idea of what Jesus did on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year basis. So what did he do? How did he spend his time? I want to point out some things to you today. The first thing we see is that it says, Jesus taught with authority, as was his custom. And by the way, it's a good custom and one that we should imitate. He went to weekly worship in the synagogue. And as a rabbi, he was usually asked to speak. And the people were amazed at him because he spoke with authority. Now, I want you to understand that because I don't think it was a particular style It was not a matter of a raised voice, it was not a a, a dramatic style of preaching, it wasn't necessarily strong opinions about the political matters of the day. It meant that he spoke with authenticity from God. Other rabbis had a tendency to kind of beat around the bush. They would quote other rabbis to make their point. Rabbi Akiva says, or Rabbi Yohanan says, and Jesus just spoke using simple words, straightforward truth, and simple parables, but he spoke directly from God. No beating around the bush, no alternative interpretations, no dealing with secondary matters, he spoke simple truth from God." And he did it with authority, very clear, very real. We will see many examples of Jesus' preaching as we go through the Gospel of Luke. And it was just very direct. This is what God says. And so that's what he did with much of his time. He taught with authority. And the second thing we see in the encounter with the demon is that Jesus defeated evil. And we'll see this throughout his ministry It was very common for demons to harass Jesus when he spoke. They were obviously very active during the ministry of Jesus, for Jesus was and is the greatest enemy of Satan and the demons. And so they came at him constantly. And Luke tells us there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. Now think about that, as important as going to worship is, it's not a guarantee of a godly lifestyle. This man went to synagogue even though he had an unclean spirit and an evil heart. And as demons and those influenced by them often do, this demon mixed truth with error. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That part was true. But leave us alone. Have you come to destroy us? That was a total fabrication. He didn't come to destroy, but to save. And so Jesus, with no ceremony, no liturgy, no incense, no magic, no hocus pocus, just simply rebuked the demon and sent it away. Now I want you to learn from something here. Jesus, and only Jesus, is the answer to evil in the world. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about demons or personal ungodliness or hypocrisy or hatred or destructive behavior or racism or abortion or a national evil like what we see going on in Ukraine. Jesus is the only real answer to evil. Now, I believe strongly in education, but education alone does not overcome evil. I believe strongly in good laws, but laws alone do not change human behavior. Evil is defeated only when a person allows Jesus to do his work in their lives. And that's why I and we as a church spend a lot more time preaching Jesus than we do lobbying legislatures. That's why we spend a lot more time praying than protesting in the streets, because only Jesus can defeat evil. That's why I spend more time promoting Jesus than I do candidates. Only Jesus can defeat evil. And we will see throughout the Gospel of Luke, Satan came against him. Demons came against him. Ungodly people came against him. But Jesus defeats evil, and only Jesus defeats evil. So if you're struggling with evil in your life, you you turn to Jesus. If you see evil in the world, you pray to Jesus. You see someone who's struggling with an addiction and they need help, you turn to Jesus. Jesus taught with authority. Jesus defeated evil. And the next thing we see is that Jesus constantly, regularly, healed hurts. So after synagogue, after this teaching, and and the casting out of a demon, and the amazement by the people, because he speaks with authority, and even the demons listen to him. After synagogue, he went to Simon Peter's house, and when he got there, he found out that Simon's mother-in-law had a high fever. Now, by the way, this is one of the few clues that you find in the New Testament that remind us that probably most of the disciples were married. I think that's the only way you get a mother-in-law is when you get married. And so they, they, they asked Jesus about her and Jesus healed her immediately. Again, there was no ceremony, no special service, no lengthy liturgy, no long prayer, just simply a healing and it was immediate. And so Jesus spent the afternoon there And then when the sun was setting, and if you understand Jewish culture, you'll understand why it happened that way, because the Jews had rules about not traveling on the Sabbath, not even healing on the Sabbath, and so the people were afraid to come to Jesus. But as soon as the sun set and the Sabbath was over, people by the dozens, maybe even the hundreds, found Jesus, and he spent the evening healing people and casting out more demons. We don't get the individual stories here because these were people healed by the dozens. But this was an everyday thing for Jesus. This was part of what he did. It wasn't a ceremony. It wasn't a special healing service. As a natural part of his life, on an everyday basis, he healed, hurts, loved people, was generous with his time. He cared deeply about people, and he helped them we need much more of that in today's world and honestly we should see much more of that in today's world for there are millions of believers followers of Jesus who should be following his example as a natural way of life we should offer love in very real and practical terms not just with lip service we should feed the hungry we should house the homeless, we should comfort the grieving, we should care for orphans and widows, we should stand up for the oppressed, we should show love to those with special needs or issues. It needs to become like it did for Jesus, just part of our everyday life. This is what we do, this is who we are. We help people and we love people. I uh, read just this morning of a church, small church in Ukraine. They're about 50 miles from the Polish border. If I told you the name of the town, I know I would butcher it. I couldn't pronounce it. But they're a small church and this is what their members decided to do. We're gonna stay. We're not gonna flee. We're gonna stay. And they turned their church, it's a small church, sleeping people pretty much wall to wall, front to back they determined that we can feed and house 55 people every night. And so every night they take in 55 people, they feed them, they house them, they pray with them, they they share the gospel, they have a Bible study, they put them to bed, and the next morning, if it's safe to do so, they pile them in, Their church van and any other vehicles that they can borrow, and they drive them to the Polish border. And then they come back and they gather 55 more people, and they've been doing this every day since it started. That's the work of Jesus. When you see a need as Jesus did, you just automatically fill it. So Jesus defeated evil. Jesus healed hurts. And then I want you to see something else, a side of Jesus we often don't talk about, but it's important for us to understand the life of Jesus. Jesus also enjoyed the fellowship of good people. After worship, after synagogue, Jesus went to Simon's house. Mark tells us that, that not only was, was Simon and his mother-in-law there, but, but James and John and Andrew and most likely their spouses and maybe their kids. And they spent the afternoon together. And once Simon's mother-in-law was healed, she got up and it says she served them. She waited on them. Now, maybe it's because I'm a Baptist but as Baptists, we always think of, I wish Luke had given us the, the details, we always think of fellowship and food together. It's almost one word, food and fellowship, no, no dashes, no spaces. And so I got to thinking, Luke, why didn't you tell us what they had for Sunday or Sabbath dinner? Now, I looked at a map of Galilee, by the way. By the way, Capernaum is in southern Galilee. So my hunch is they had what? Fried chicken, mashed potatoes, biscuits, green bean casserole, and pecan pie for dessert. Or maybe it's a little farther south than I thought. Maybe they had carne asada and tamales and refried beans and tres leche. I'll go for that. I don't know what they had. And we'll get off of that. But I do want you to see that one of the things that was important in the life of Jesus was that he regularly had fellowship with other good people, his disciples, their families, people in the synagogues. And you'll see throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus made good friends with good people, and we need that. One of the things that has got to be most important to us if we are going to imitate Jesus is we need to forge healthy relationships with good people who love God, and then we can enjoy the fellowship and we make each other stronger. Hanging out with godly people is perhaps one of the things that churches lacked the most during the pandemic. We found, you know, we could, we could worship on video. We could pray on Zoom. We could do Bible studies via email or videos or things like that, but a big part of the Christian life is simply getting together with other good people, people who will make you stronger and people that you can help make stronger. And we build on that together. That's a big part of what Jesus did. And one of the things that I'm really looking forward to the most, as people start gathering again, they're going to recognize what they missed. Yeah, we could sing along with Mary Kay on video, and that was okay. We could listen to Jack uh, on on video, and, and that was okay. But it's not quite the same as gathering with good people and studying and worshiping and singing and just hanging out together. One of the best things that happens in this church, and you know what? We don't have great architecture for it because, you know, our, 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 our aisles aren't really wide and our foyer is not really a foyer. It's just kind of a wide hallway. But one of the best things that happens is, is before church and after church, we just kind of hang out and talk. Now, for the leaders, that's sometimes frustrating because we're trying to get your attention and sing, or pray, or preach, or whatever, and you're all just out there shaking hands, or fist bumps, or Sharon's hugging people, or whatever is going on out there. But that's a good, healthy thing. Well, maybe not the hugging, but it's a good healthy thing to hang out, love people, enjoy fellowship together, and you can look to the example of Jesus who did it on a regular basis. So that's one of the things that Jesus did with his time, is he enjoyed fellowship. And the fifth thing is that He made, that's the key word, he made time for God. It didn't come easy or natural for Jesus, because his schedule was so packed. And on this day, well into the evening hours, maybe even going late into the night, people came to him, hey, could you heal my mom, my dad has this issue, and he needs your help. There's a demonic man over here, and we've been praying for him, but, but he's still stuck in evil. Can you, you help him? And so Jesus went late into the evening, into the dark hours, even helping people, casting out demons. But notice that both Luke and Mark said, early the next morning. Mark adds, while it was still dark. Jesus got up, went off to a solitary place, and he prayed. It didn't fit easily, necessarily, into his schedule. But he carved time out. I've got to be with God. I've got to pray. And, and, and you notice, he didn't tell people. This was not a bragging thing of a self-righteous person. Hey, look at me. Don't disturb me. I'm going to go pray. Matter of fact, the the, the 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 gospel accounts say they didn't even know where Jesus was. He was sleeping right here with us. And he's gone. He got up early before the others because he knew he needed that time with God. And Mark adds, and there he prayed. They can find me later, the people can. But I've got to spend time with God. Now, now, this has always impressed me. If Jesus, the only perfect man who ever lived, someone who is himself God, who knew the scriptures because he had inspired them to be written, if he needed time, Praying and talking with God and thinking and studying, how much more does a highly imperfect Jack who doesn't know the scriptures perfectly, who doesn't know everything, how much more do I need that time? And do you? And so we see this in the life of Jesus and all these things we need to imitate. And then, number six, and really because of all these things, he kept focus. He had a goal. He had a plan. He knew why he was here on earth and he didn't allow anything to stop it. Not the demands of the day, not the pleas of the people. Hey, the people in Capernaum were so impressed. They were so amazed. Stay with us. We need you. We need your teaching. We need your healing. We need you. But he kept his focus, no, I didn't come just to be the pastor of First Baptist Church of Capernaum. I came to tell all people. And so he kept his focus and continued to travel from place to place, teaching with authority, loving people, healing people, casting out demons, doing God's work. He had what he knew God wanted him to do, and he kept focus, and he did it. Do you understand your purpose in life? I'm not putting you down if you don't. Do you know what God wants from you? (coughs) Do you have a goal? Can you answer the question, why am I here on earth? The most successful believers I know, like Jesus, they know what God wants them to do, and they keep their focus on doing it. But let me warn you, it's really easy to get off track. And the Christian disciplines, when we neglect them, we will get off track. We need to keep focus, regular worship with God's people. We need fellowship with other believers. We need constant paying attention to the teachings and the words of Jesus and the Bible. We need the spending time with God and with prayer. And all of these things are designed to keep us on track. Neglect the Christian disciplines, and I guarantee you'll be off track. You'll forget why you're here, what you're supposed to be doing, what God wants from you. Dawn knows, especially on vacation, But when I'm driving, I have a tendency to miss a turn. I'll be listening to the radio or listening to music or I'll be discussing theology or sports or politics or or, or talking. And Dawn is so cool when I do it. She doesn't nag. She doesn't get after me. But she'll just ask the simple question, did you mean to turn right there? Now, sometimes I just kind of, you know, act really cool myself. No, there's a gas station up here, and I was going to stop and get gas at the next exit. Never mind that there were four gas stations back there. No, really, what I planned on doing was just going to the next exit, making a U-turn, and coming back and going that way. Usually I just, yep, I was going to turn there. So listen, I'm not yelling, I'm not nagging, but I am asking you the question, did you miss a turn? Do you need to rethink and reroute and get back on track? Because God allows that. He encourages that. He teaches that. And listen, I'm a pastor, but I got to do that regularly. Got to rethink, refocus, remind, sometimes back up and get back on track. And so I'm asking you, are you on focus? Do you know what God wants? If you don't, I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying, spend some time asking God that question. Why am I here? At this particular point in my life, I mean, maybe I knew what I was supposed to be doing five years ago, but today, why am I here? Ask Him because He will lead you and guide you. That's how Jesus spent His time. He taught with authority, He defeated evil, He healed hurts, He enjoyed fellowship, He made time for God, and He kept His focus. What about our time? I want to share with you two things that I'm asking you to do. Number one, turn to Jesus and let him do his work in you. He wants to give you solid instruction that you can trust this is from God. So listen to him. He wants to help you defeat whatever evil there may be in your life. He wants to heal your hurts. He wants to lead you into solid fellowship in a good church with other believers. And he wants you to set aside time for him. Will you let him? Don't overcomplicate the question. Will you let him? Is a yes or no? It's easy to say, but, 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 but. Will you let Jesus do what he wants to do in your life? Then tell him so. Yes. I need help overcoming this evil. I need some good solid Christian friends. I need to join a church, show me which one, where I should be, because I need the fellowship. I need more of your instruction, so I'm gonna read it today and tomorrow and every day thereafter. I'm gonna make time to pray, because I don't know why I'm here and I wanna know why I'm here, and you will use these things to teach me. So will you let Jesus do his work in you? And then once you know it, keep your focus. By spending time to God, with God, every day. We all do it a little differently. Some people journal. All of us should be reading the word and praying. Some people do it with our families or alone. We need to do it on a daily basis. That's a way of showing God, I need you, I want you, and the only way I can keep on focus is if I focus on you on a daily basis you go a day or two or three or four or a week or two missing worship, no bible study you're going to be off track I can almost guarantee it and so you do the things that Jesus did that kept him on focus and if he needed them how much more do we so let's pray together thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslender. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.